Hey guys, Pastor Ben. Thank you for joining us here on FCC Online. We are truly thankful and appreciate you taking the time to watch and listen to our messages. One thing that I do want to encourage you to do is as you're watching these, please don't allow these to be your primary resource in your spiritual journey and your walk with Jesus. Keep these as a supplement to what you do on a weekly basis from the gathering, uh, being connected, being part of a life of a local church body. We want these to bless you. We want these messages and these videos to help you grow in your relationship with Christ. But please do not allow these to replace anything that you have to do with a local church body. If you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and get into the scripture this morning. Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to be talking about greater things today. So Hebrews chapter 6, we're going to start by reading verses 13, and then we'll read 13 through the end of the chapter. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Pray with me, if you would, please. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have each and every week to come together, to open your word, to examine it, to glean from it, to learn from it, and God, apply it to our lives. Father, today I pray that you take what is said and that you encourage hearts, that you take your word and allow it to pierce our hearts, to heal our hearts, and to challenge us. God, I pray that you use me as your mouthpiece. Let my voice give utterance to what Holy Spirit would have me to say. Help me to divide your word rightly. In Jesus' name, amen. Life is hard, isn't it? Life's difficult. And there's very few statements that anyone can make, whether it be in a church setting, a faith-based setting, a religious setting, or not. There's very few statements that are across the board true for everyone. But that statement is one. Life is hard. raining now. We all face these storms in our lives, don't we? I mean, they're just, they're there. And it seems like sometimes it's a constant onslaught of storm after storm after storm. And sometimes we get a little bit, little bit of a break in between. 
And sometimes in our lives, what we do is we try to detach ourselves from the difficulties, or at least we try to, try to displace them in our lives by thinking and saying, if I would only have lived in another time, like we fantasize and romanticize different eras in the past, don't we? Like, oh, if I would have only lived in the time before technology, Oh, if I would have only lived in the medieval times. Oh, if I would only lived in biblical times. Or if I'd only lived in this era. Or maybe, maybe there's a time coming in the future when things are going to get so much better and life wouldn't be as difficult. Life wouldn't be as hard as what it is right now. Life has been hard since the very beginning. Once Genesis 3 happened, fall into sin, life is difficult. And you can unplug yourself. You can try to unplug yourself from this time and put yourself into another time. And guess what? Life's going to be difficult there as well. I'm just kind of curious in here. Is life difficult for you right now? Is life hard? Yeah. Some of you, life's so hard you couldn't even raise your hand. It's like, yes. The writer of Hebrews from the very beginning, we've stated that the church that he's writing to, the believers that he is writing to, they are facing an incredible storm in their life. Life is difficult for them at this point. Like they're, they're really facing some things. They're being persecuted, being tormented. They're, they're, they're struggling. Life's hard. Life is difficult. And the past several messages from Hebrews have been on warnings. Right? There's, there's a lot of warnings that we've dealt with of falling away, drifting away, falling into apostasy. Don't, don't do these things. Be careful. Be careful of what you're doing. And the writer continues with that through the rest of the book, but he kind of shifts gears here just a little bit. And he begins to give them a purpose behind the warnings. It's one thing to warn someone constantly and consistently. But if you don't put out there why or what's at stake, then the warnings, we become tone deaf to them. And we're going to deal with this passage of Scripture. And from verses 13 through 18, it's going to have one theme. And then verses 19 and 20, we're going to have another theme. And it seems like or it could feel like these are two different themes, but I want us to understand that these two are critically connected. Because as the writer is kind of shifting gears a little bit, they begin to talk about God's promises and his oath to Abraham. So that's what we see in verses 13 through 18. The writer has this theme in mind that there is no one greater than God. No one greater because he hearkens back to the covenant that he made with Abraham to say that, hey, whenever you and I would go into a covenant, whenever we speak an oath to one another, then we always speak on something that's greater than us. Like whenever we're under, under oath in a court of law, you know, we're, we're under oath accountable to something or someone that is greater than we are. And this passage has told us that there's no one greater than God. There's nothing greater than God. But God wanted to enter into an oath, into a covenant with His people, so He swore on Himself. 
See, and there's such, a, there's such a temptation right now to really drill down into the differences between a promise and an oath, but I'm going to tell you this, and this is going to be the statement that I'm going to make towards it, that the promises that we have in God's Word, are you thankful for the promises in God's Word this morning? The promises in God's Word are typically conditional upon our obedience. Like God makes promises. If my people who are called by my, name, by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear their prayers. Then I will hear their land, heal their lands. So most of God's promises, if not all of them, are conditional on our obedience. But an oath is different. When God makes an oath, it's not dependent upon anything or anyone. If God makes it, it's happening. So there, that, that's, the, that's the difference between a promise, biblical promise, and an oath that God makes biblically. Now, I want to talk to us this morning. There's, there's a lot of people hurting in our community. I mean, and that feels like a statement that can be made accurately like every week, right? But I think that there's times that we see within our community, within our church family here, that there are just people that are hurting, that are going through somewhat unusual difficulties and circumstances. And I think that God in His sovereignty has placed this passage and this message in front of us this morning for that exact reason. Because I can promise you one thing. I am not smart enough to sit down before the year begins and map things out from this book and know that I'm going to be hitting the right thing each Sunday. That's a work of God and His Holy Spirit. Amen? When you come in, let me, let me just put this to rest. I'm not preaching directly to you. Like, I'm not looking at Kevin going, oh, I know Kevin's got some stuff going on in his life. I'm going to preach directly at him, but I'm going to mask it as a sermon to everyone. So if you feel like I am singling you out, it's not me that's singling you out. That'd be God's Holy Spirit that's doing that, that's speaking to you. Acts chapter 27. Now, I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but this is an account at the end of Acts 27 of Paul being on a boat in the midst of a days-long hurricane. And they're in danger of losing everything, including their lives. And I would, I would really encourage you guys to go and read this story. There's so many different little things and, and nuggets that you can pull out of there in life, application, lessons, and I would really encourage you to do that. But one of the things that it tells us is that as they are sailing, they're getting ready to head into a storm, but they stop from kind of port to port and they gather things. They take things onto the boat that they didn't leave initially with. And then they get into the midst of the storm, and what the things that they have accumulated, they have to start throwing overboard because it's endangering their lives. I believe there's a spiritual lesson right there too. How many times have I found it in my life that as I in, enter into a storm or as I get ready to enter into a tough season and it begins to break against me, the winds begin to blow, the rain begins to fall, everything becomes tumultuous in my life, then I start looking at these things that I've accumulated and picked up along the way and I'm like, do I really even need that because it's about to take me under right now? 
And it said that they, with their own hands, I, I love that detail that it gives. It said, with their own hands, they started picking things up and throwing them off the ship in order to try to save their lives. I think that God is calling some of us right now to pick some things up off of the boat in our lives and get rid of them because we don't need them. But we see this storm that comes upon them. This difficult time, this life-threatening, this thing that they don't know if they're going to make it through it or not. They find themselves in the midst of this storm. And all hope seems to be lost. In that passage, it literally says that they had done everything that they could do, including giving up. They had given up on all hope of being able to survive it. And Paul says, an angel of the Lord visited me. We're going to lose the boat. We're going to lose everything in it. But we're not lose our lives if we do some of these things. And when I read that passage this week, I began to think, what are some of the things I face? What are some of the things that are on my boat in this life that, I, that, that surface whenever storms come. Have you ever noticed that there are some things in your life that when everything's going good, when the seas are calm, when life is relatively uneventful, like there are things that you don't even notice about yourself. But man, once that water starts chopping a little bit, once that wind picks up, once that rain starts to fall, once that difficult time starts happening, once that attack happens, once that thing blows into your life that you had maybe no clue was coming, man, there's some ugly stuff that comes about that we have to deal with. I want to give you three things that I have to deal with all the time when the storms of life come my way. The first thing, insecurity. Anybody ever feel insecure? In here, like this is coming against me, you know, like, hey, man, when the water's nice, you know, I got the sails set. We got some seagulls flying over. We got everything in harmony. Man, I am secure. I'm good. But the moment that the wind begins to pick up, the moment that the storm begins to make its way into my life, there's some insecurity issues that I have that I don't know if I'm grounded properly. I don't know if I'm rooted properly. I don't know if I've got the right foundation. God, I may have been hanging on to something that was giving me hope when things were calm. But now that things are a little bit rough, now that things are a little bit tough, this thing that I was holding on to for hope during the good times, I don't have as much hope in it as what I did. I deal with insecurity. I also deal with being insufficient. There's insufficiency that begins to rise up within my life. You know, it's like I'm not educated enough. I don't have enough money. I'm not smart enough. I'm not talented enough. The devil begins to come in and begins to sell me all kinds of different lies. I'm like, you're not going to make it through this because of this. You're not going to survive this because of this. And even if you do survive it, you're not going to be what you once were. Am I preaching to anybody in here this morning? Like, I battle this stuff all the time. I'm, I'm insecure in moments. I feel like I'm insignificant in moments. And that's the next one is like, I battle this insignificance too. 
Like, am I really who God says I am? Because the enemy will come in and try to convince you of every lie that he possibly can. If it begins to get you to doubt or to fear or to have a little bit of a distance in your relationship with God, the enemy will use that. And let's be very clear on something. If something is in your life and it is causing distance in your relationship with God, it's not of God. I don't care how good you think it is. Is this thing on? Okay, good. It doesn't matter how good you think something is. If it pulls you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to get it off the boat because it's not of Him. God's not going to author something that's going to pull you away. We can have our insecurities. We can feel insufficient. We can even feel insignificant. But understand something, that when you are facing the storms of life, if you are in Jesus Christ, you now have your hands in the hands of the man who calms the sea. Anybody remember that song? I'm, I'm going to save you, I'm going to spare you, and I'm not going to sing that. Put your, hey man, hey man. No need for a hallelujah there. But it's time to put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. The one who speaks peace in the midst of the storm. And even if He doesn't speak peace immediately into your storm, guess what? God's plan for the storm, regardless of whether He's the author of it or not, that's another discussion for another day. Regardless of whether He authors it or not, God wants you to grow through the storm, not just go through the storm. He wants you growing through every season of our life, no matter if it's good, bad, or indifferent, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the dark times, in the midst of the trials, the tribulations, the harsh circumstances, and the persecution. It's in the valley that I find myself growing the most in Him. We're never just intended to go through the storm. God wants us to grow through it. So that's going to take me to this next section. Because we see something in verses 19 and 20 of Hebrews. It says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. There was a story that Max Licato writes about. Four young college men back some decades ago, he being one of them, was going to college in Florida. There was a hurricane that came in. I believe it was Hurricane David, if memory serves correctly. And they were living, while they were in college, they were living on a houseboat that they were renting. And all the warnings had come in that the hurricane was approaching and that they needed to anchor, that they needed to tie off, they needed to secure the boat that they were living on. So they make great efforts, they tie off to trees, they tie off to the docks, they tie off to everything that they can find. And fortunately, an, an, an old seafaring, leather skin kind of guy comes up and said, if you do that, the boat's never going to make it. So what you need to do to survive this hurricane, to keep your boat intact, is you need to go to the deep waters and you need to put your anchor out there. 
Folks, can I tell you that in the storms of life, when they come against us, we can't anchor to the things of this world. We can't put our hopes in our finances. We can't put our hopes in our relationships. We can't put our hopes in our kids. We can't put our hopes in our careers. We can't put our hopes in the way that people perceive us or receive us. We cannot anchor to our reputation or any type of security that this world provides because what we need in our lives to anchor to in the midst of the worst storm is when we can throw out anchor in the deepness of the love of God. When we can find ourselves in the depths of God, that's when we become unshakable. That's when we become unmovable because there is a depth to our relationship that our hope is not found on anything visible. Our hope is not found on anything external. Our hope is not found on anything that this world provides us. But our hope is rooted and grounded in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. That's when the storms of my life, they hit, they hurt, they damage, they can be really difficult. But my soul is anchored in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I don't care how bad the storm is, there is nothing that can take that away. That's good news this morning, isn't it? Like no matter what you're going through right now, no matter how deep the sorrow, no matter how painful the hurt, no matter how long-lasting the grief is that you're going through right now, your soul should be anchored to the immovable, untouchable, unfallible Word of God and the promises that you find in this book. That this is where my hope is found. This is where my hope is stored, and this is where my hope is sustained. Now, in Acts 27, Paul gives this counsel. After they've thrown everything off, he said, the only hope that we've got right now is we need to throw out four anchors into the depths. Four anchors. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to suggest four biblical things to you that we need to anchor in. What I'm not saying is that these are the four anchors that Paul was talking about. I'm not trying to write Scripture in here. Okay, these, They threw out four literal anchors, and they weathered the storm. But I believe that from God's Word, I'm, I want to suggest four of them to you this morning, that we see anchors that we need to throw out in the midst of the worst storms in our lives. And the first one is the anchor of purpose. Purpose. I'm going to give you a couple things real quickly about purpose. Your purpose in Christ predates you. Your purpose in Christ predates you. Here's what I'm saying. Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. So like your purpose was around long before you were which should be comforting to us. But the second thing is a pill that's a little bit more difficult to swallow. Your purpose is not determined by you. You don't have the say in what your purpose is or is not. We don't like that, do we? If our purpose predates us, then our purpose is far beyond our influence as well. Before we were formed, in our mother's womb, He knew us. He called us. He chose us. 
That means our purpose is not determined by us. And praise God that it's not. How many of you have ever made your own plans? How'd those turn out? How'd those going? You see, Jesus, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says that He is the author and the finisher of our faith. For He endured the cross for the joy that was set before Him. Because all of the shame, all of the despising that was happened, He endured the cross. Why? Because of His purpose. You see, had it been up to me, and if that's the, the end, if that's the purpose for my life, and God decides, hey, Ben needs to make the call on this one, I'm going to go, okay, cross? <laughs> no cross. But you see, Jesus was driven by His purpose. And that's what we need to do as well. God has purposed you. God has plans for you. But here's the thing. With our insufficiencies, with our insecurities, with the insignificance that we battle, what we do is in the midst of these storms, we feel like we've got to have an out. We feel like we're going to collapse under the weight of them. Folks, church, hear me clearly this morning. What we need to do in the midst of a storm, no matter what kind it is in our lives, financial, relational, you name it, we need to bow our back, stand up and say, greater is He that is in me than he that is in this world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. That doesn't take away from the severity of the storm. It doesn't take away from the reality of it. But what we're doing is instead of folding and wilting under the weight of sorrow and care and grief and pain, we're rearing our chest out and we're saying that Jesus Christ is my hope, my anchor, my all in all. And that needs to be our focus in the midst of the storm. Why? Because we have a purpose that goes far beyond this life. Amen? Amen. Amen. The next thing is we see out of Acts 27, out of these four anchors, is courage. You're going to need courage to navigate the storms of life. There's a reason that God told Joshua four times, do not fear. Be of good courage. Do you realize that God was having to give Joshua this reminder even as he was walking in the promise? Think about that for just a minute. Joshua, leading the nation into the promised land, he was told, do not fear. Be of good courage before they entered into the promised land. And God told him that after it. Guys, just because you're walking in the purpose or the promise of God doesn't mean that you're going to live a storm-free life. And God's going to have to constantly remind you, don't fear. Don't fear. Be of good courage. For I know the plans that I have for you. Jeremiah 29, 11, talking to the nation of Israel, talking to the inheritance of that oath, that promise of Abraham. And guess what? That's us too. Right? Because you know what I'm about to do. Because Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. And many sons. I'm one of them. 
So what do we do? Right arm, left arm. <laughs> for I know the plans that I have for you to prosper you, to see good happen, to see these eternal blessings taking place in your life. So we need to be of good courage. That leads me to my next anchor. We need to be anchored in community. Right? The community of believers. Like, I could be having the worst week ever and I come in here and I'd be able to spend some time with you. You all encourage me. You impart courage into my inner man through the most difficult times. And that's why it's so important. You may, be, you may have lost the most painful loss that you could ever go through. You may be going through something that's so deep, so hurtful, so damaging, but don't disconnect from the community of brothers and sisters that God has placed you. Keep your connection with your church family. We're all part of a body. It's important, not just because that we can sing songs or that we can pray together, we can do this, but I can encourage you and you encourage me. When I see you going through a difficult time, then I can encourage you. I can love you. I can pray for you and vice versa. It's not about coming here for an hour, hour and 15 minutes every Sunday morning so that you can check off a box on your social obligation list. It's about community. It's about encouraging one another and being there for one another. And the fourth anchor this morning is worship. In all things, rejoice. And again I say, rejoice always. In the midst of the storm, God has called you to worship, not whine. Can I say that again? In the midst of your storm, God has called you to worship, not whine. Because, like, isn't that what we do? Like, we're, you know, oh, woe is me. We face a storm, we face a problem, we have this, and we, we turn into Eeyore all of a sudden off Winnie the Pooh. How are you? I'm fine. What if, what if whining or complaining about something is to the devil what worship is to God? What if us whining about what we're going through exalts the devil? like worship in spirit and truth exalts the Father. should make us think anyhow. Because in all things do it without grumbling and complaining. But oh, it feels so good to complain, doesn't it? I can feel so good to whine about it. What are you accomplishing it? What do we accomplish when we whine about things? Right? All we do is make the problem bigger than what it is. Listen, the storms in my life have enough power. I don't want to give them more power. 
They've got more of an impact. They've already got an impact on me. I don't want to whine about them and give them more of an impact. Naked came I into this world. Naked shall I depart. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's amazing. I mean, again, it doesn't change circumstances. Doesn't change situations. Doesn't change the fact that you're in the middle of a a real storm. But your perspective and your focus and what you are glorifying in the midst of the storm can make all the difference in whether you're just going through a storm or if you're growing through the storm. We even see this in our Savior's life. I'm going to ask the praise team if they will to come up. We see this in the Savior's life. Said that He was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And there's at least three temptations that we're aware of in there. Like we see them, where they're well documented, we know them. But it said that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into this dry time, into this storm, into this trial, by the Spirit. Scripture records in the Gospel of John that He went into the wilderness led by the Spirit. But then it says when he came out of the wilderness, he came out in the power of the Spirit. There's something about even in our Savior's life, whenever you are growing through a storm, whenever you're going through a difficult time, whenever you are navigating and weathering this storm, when you are dependent upon Him, when you're focused on Him, when you're worshiping Him in the midst of it, there's something that causes growth, that you come out of this thing differently. You came out of this thing more like Christ. You come out of this thing more in the power of the Spirit than what you went into it. Now, I was never the world's greatest student. If I've had any teachers in here, you don't need to say amen. If I had any classmates in here, you don't have to say amen. But I was never the world's greatest student. But I'll tell you one thing that I did not want to have to do. That was retake a test. Right? I wanted to learn enough that I could pass the test and move on and not have to go back and do it again. And that's my prayer for the spiritual test, the storms of life. It's like, God, I want to grow through this. I want to learn what I need to learn. Whatever you've got in store for me to learn in this storm, I want to learn that because I don't want to do this again. Anybody? You facing anything? Ever faced anything that you're just like, listen, I don't know what you want me to learn, but please let me learn it because I don't want to be back here. And it's being anchored in the midst of the storm, into the hope of Jesus Christ that helps us building on that firm foundation, not on the sand, building on the rock that when the wind blows, the breakers dash, the storms come, that we have a sure enough foundation that we can stand the storm. Because guess what? It's not the boat that weathers the storm. It's the anchor. It's the anchor. 